Welcome to the Teacher Interview Podcast. I'm your host, Wes Creasel. I work as Director of Innovation and Instructional Support in Fullerton School District. And every week, we sit down and get to know a teacher better. My goal is to learn what drives and guides teachers, especially when venturing into that risky territory of trying something new. Join me. In this episode, we talk to Sarah Spiro. She teaches fourth grade at Sunset Elementary. All right, Sarah, thanks for joining uh, the podcast. I'm so excited to interview you. Um, you were recommended by um, Matt Mankwich. And who's been, I think he was the very first interview on the podcast. He was. I think, yeah. I heard his. Yeah, so, um, and I, I'm gratified that you said you've listened, and um, so that's exciting. Okay. So, um, without further ado, we're going to do something new on the podcast, is at the end, I'm going to ask for y- your ideas on how we can improve the podcast, or what um, what's missing, what we do too much of, or just like to disrupt a little bit. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And we already started kind of going down that path. Um, so it's cool. Um, the first question is just like, like why teaching? Like how did you, what was that like for you? Where did you do your teacher education and how did you end up here? Yes, well, <laughs> um, so I, I went to high school in Hawaii. It okay. was, we moved there between my freshman and sophomore year. Oh, wow. And it was a huge. Was that a tough? Change? It was a very tough change. It was a culture shock to say the least. And uh, Hawaiians or people who live in Hawaii are very um, like us, mm, tight knit, yeah. family oriented, cl- closed circled. Mm-hmm. And I was, we were moving from Texas. So I was different than everyone in every way. Wow. And I felt like an outcast for a long time. It was something that I had um, felt before. Certainly, but it was it. It just had this whole new mm. deep layer wow. uh, for me that experience. And when I, when it was time for me to go to college, I wanted to move. I didn't want to move. Actually, my parents insisted that I move back to California. Wow. Really? Yes, because they they knew that they weren't going to be in Hawaii forever, and they mm. did not want us to like fall in love and get married and live in Hawaii and uh, and like <laughs> be an ocean apart. So that sounds perfect. They're like, you, you go, go back. Visit. We're coming back. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> So um, I, I, my mom brought me to California. We had picked, we'd gone college shopping. We'd picked a school. I went to Vanguard University. Okay. It was called Southern California College at the time. Oh, I didn't know that. In Costa okay. Mesa. Yeah. Uh-huh. So we, 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 she came, she took me to Target. She got all my stuff. She bought me a bicycle. And then it was like three days later, she was going to get in that rental car and go back to yeah. Hawaii. Yeah. And I was like hanging on the door frame, like freaking out like a two-year-old tantrum like yelling don't leave me don't leave me crying you weren't you weren't yelling literally i was literally you were were losing it losing it (laughs) and my mom looked at me and said do not embarrass yourself in front of all those people because you know you're my it was in the middle of campus great advice closed the door (laughs) backed out went home and i was like oh dear so i ended up majoring in cultural anthropology Oh, okay. So I was very fascinated with the study of people, with how culture influences our personality, with um, hmm. all, all kinds of of um, 
that all that relationship between society and who you really are. Mm -hmm. So I, I was interested too in psychology, but I think there that our environment has a very powerful role in who yeah. we are as people. So I, I took that route, and I thought I was gonna. I've always wanted to save the world, or at least since college, I've wanted to save yeah. the world. I think it's probably it's a good uh, a ambition. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, I was gonna go to Africa and. Um, to work there, or something. right? So I wanted to figure out how to yeah. get um, Africans to wear condoms to help prevent mm, AIDS. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I had read somewhere one time that they they would reject this um, for this like protection for themselves because of their cultural beliefs about mm -hmm. it. And so how can we present it in a way that would be culturally acceptable? And anyways, I thought that yeah. was a fascinating idea, yeah. and I was like, I'm gonna figure it out. <laughs> Um, I had been to India be okay. between high school and college. Oh wow! So, um, so I it was on my heart to like go and do this. But at the same time, that same year, my parents moved from. Well, they were they had been living in um, in Sa in San Francisco, and they were moving, retiring. Okay. Okay. And then they were going to be moving again, and I just had this like. Oh my gosh! I'm never gonna have a home. Like I, my parents don't live in Hawaii. I don't. I don't belong there. I don't belong where they are gonna move to. I don't belong in San Francisco. I don't belong where I was born in Wichita. I like don't belong anywhere. And if right. I leave here, I'm really never gonna belong anywhere. Wow. So I, I um, sort of had another. I, I didn't literally scream and cry in the middle of my <laughs> campus, but emotionally I was. There's a pattern. And I'm, yes. I'm picking up. Like oh I'm I'm having a meltdown. Like I, <laughs> what am I going to do if I follow this dream? I'm never going to have a home to come back to. Yeah. And so I was expressing this to, um, the the wife of the cultural anthropology head of the department, mm -hmm. and she said she was the head of the uh, education department, and she said, well, why don't you just save a classroom in Santa Ana <laughs> because I can get you hired right now. It was oh my the gosh. year that the schools were going 20 to 1, 1997, oh, wow. yeah. in Santa Ana. So I got hired on an emergency credential. Yeah. I'd never been in a classroom, an elementary school classroom since I was in elementary school. Yeah. And so I showed oh up gosh. and I learned how to teach. Like yeah. basically, I so I, I taught at Taft Elementary in Santa oh, yeah. Ana. I used to work in Santa Ana, so I know, yes. I know the district. So, um, it was an, built in the 70s or 60s. It was an open school. There were no walls. Mm -hmm. So um, they, they had kind of by this time made, had makeshift walls or like bookcases that they would use to divide spaces right, up. Right, yeah. But they had turned four second grade classrooms into six second grade classrooms by just pushing the bookcases out kind of and oh. creating six spaces. Yeah. So yeah. I was in the middle on one side, and when I stood and taught, I could see the brand new second grade teacher on the other side. Her name was Becky. We were like instant friends because neither one of us knew. Well, she she had always wanted to be a teacher, so she knew a lot more than I did. But we were <laughs> oh still both new. So all my questions, I'd go to her. If yeah. she wondered too, we'd go to someone else. But um, I would, would just learn. I just learned how to teach from seeing her teaching all day, essentially. Yeah. That's and wild. Yeah. So and I and love new things. And that's not usually how people get introduced to teaching. It's usually isolated. Right. But it's funny, I my first, I started teaching 1995. It was the 21, 20 to one thing a few years later in um, Rialto. My first classroom was a special ed classroom divided by bookcases, three of us, three teachers, two veterans and me. 
And so I, you know, they would mo mostly they would look at me <laughs> and then point out things I should or shouldn't <laughs> do. But it's so wild that you had that experience too of like this odd community. Yes. But interesting. Okay, so from Taft, then how did you get to Fullerton? So Anything I taught, else? I taught in Santa Ana for seven years. Okay. I had another life crisis essentially. Okay. <laughs> so um, at this the is good. I love life crisis. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's interesting. Um, Yes, I'm ill connected to the end. At okay. the end, it has a lot to do with why I think that I'm sitting in this chair talking to you. Okay. Um, so I had another life crisis. I had um, a son in 2004. Okay. He's 15. He goes to Sunny Hills. He's an amazing human being. I had him, and then I got pregnant like seven weeks later. Okay. Um, and had a daughter who is also an amazing oh human being. Yeah. She's at at Parks. Okay. She, she I, I adore my kids. But at the time when I got pregnant with her, it was like too much for me to handle because my, their dad, we, we've ended up getting divorced since mm. then. But at the time he was out of work and I was, so I had just given birth and I was supposed to be going back to work, you oh know, six gosh. weeks later and I find out I'm pregnant. Oh and gosh. I, it was like, I can't do this. We had been in a house for one year in Costa Mesa. So we had this like new, like we're gonna grow into this yeah. mortgage that then he, when he had lost his job, I was very overwhelmed. Yeah. So and I was like- Understandably. Yes, <laughs> I was like, uh-uh, I cannot, I cannot do all of this. Like all three of you, like in, I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> all three of you. Yeah, so um, we moved to okay. Menifee. It, do you know where that is? Yeah, Near yeah. Temecula? Uh, yeah. We moved there. I, I, I took a leave of absence for, from uh, Santa Ana, and we moved there, and then um, I didn't work for about a year and a half, okay. and then I started subbing in the Menifee School District. Okay. And then when we got divorced, I got hired um, by a private school. Okay. And my kids started school, or Max had started kindergarten at that school, and then but it was not enough income. So mm. I was like, I, I took the job, but I was looking, 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 yeah. looking. And it was when they were not hiring anybody anywhere. Oh my gosh. So it was in 2000, let's see, five, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 2009. Yeah. And yep. yeah, so um, I did end up getting hired uh, at Temecula Preparatory Academy, mm -hmm. which is a charter school in Temecula. And I worked there for a little while and then I, had another <laughs> event that led to another crisis, which ended up landing me in Fullerton. So we moved to Fullerton in 2012. Okay. And then I started subbing at Hermosa, which is where my kids went to elementary oh, okay. school. Okay. We moved here. We I put them in school there, and then um, in let's see, I subbed. You know, maybe after I had been here about six months, I started subbing and then ended up getting hired at Sunset Lane. Oh, that's, that's great. It's interesting for the number of crises, I think that's plural, <laughs> that you've mentioned. The people I interviewed, they didn't throw that word in there. Like, <laughs> so that's not the type of person you are? Like maybe you've oh, ha yeah. had those experiences, well, but so you're not a crisis prone person no. <laughs> according to people. <laughs> uh, okay, so I do think, I will say, I do think that um, sometimes what, what we are best at really is a product of working hard to overcome a weakness. Mm. So I, th I think that all of the things people would say that were good about me 
mm. is is intentions I've set to be that. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah, and there's a lot, and there's there can be, and it's interesting to have this discussion because you've been very open. Like there can be a way that through difficulties you've had, you're able to help people in a way that you couldn't if you hadn't been through difficulties. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So I I. I, people do describe me as judgment-free, or I could will say to me like I could tell you anything. I don't understand why <laughs> I just told you my life story. <laughs> You're like, please don't. And there's like, a <laughs> no, actually, I, I like You're holding like, bring it on. space for people. Like you, I yeah. can hold this space so you can like fall apart or do whatever it is you need to yeah. do, and I'm just going to remind you at the end that you are an amazing human being. Oh. And honestly, um, well, I lost my train of thought, but I think I I think that. I don't know if I'm jumping too far ahead, but I, I think that innovation comes from being willing to take a risk. Mm. And I think I am willing to take risks because I've, I've failed enough in my life that I'm not mm. afraid of it anymore. Yeah. And, so, and I really don't care so much. I think maybe that's a product of getting older, that, yeah. you know, what people think. Like, I'm, I am going to show up and be myself regardless of what anybody around me is. Yeah. So that's actually a good segue to um, one of the words, one of the, the questions I've asked, and we have um, input from Claudia, a colleague, Tracy, your principal, and Nancy, a friend. Mm -hmm. So one of the words that um, Tracy actually threw out there, because I asked, what's one word that represents Sarah? And she said, courageous. Mm -hmm. So can you tie that to like what you just said about, I show up and I'm... Um, what was the word you said? You, you said, I, I, I just, I don't worry about what other people think. So how's that tied to courage, you think, from Tracy's point of view? So I, uh, courageous. Or is it? Yes, I definitely think so. I, I am willing to try anything. And I don't have to know how to do it before I'm willing to try it. In fact, it's actually way more interesting. Oh, like, that's interesting. Way more interesting to, to get into something and figure out how to make it work. Mm. Because if I if you already know how to do it, then why are you doing it? <laughs> it's like you like that's what it seems like to yeah. me. Yeah. Like if you already know, you know, how to make iMovies with your students, then yeah. I mean, sure, you can teach it to them, but it doesn't ignite anything inside you. And I, I believe kids feed off of oh, so our energy. Okay, so right there, that means Potentially, once you've mastered something. Oh, I move on pretty quick. <laughs> so how does that, because I would think, or a position to take would be, well, my students next year need this experience because it's so great. It's a great, let, let's say, iMovie. But when you move on, then the next year students are doing something totally different. Well, it's a so. little helpful that technology is moving so fast <laughs> that, like, what you were doing seven years ago is yeah. not relevant. Yeah. And outdated, yeah. I do find a lot of value in um, tradition and in um, that like stability that comes from like knowing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. It is very yeah. important. It's not why I'm on this planet, yeah. but I I definitely want people like that in my life yeah. because I know it's it's very valuable. Yeah, and I think. Um, I think there's something there too about like the phrase about you have to know the rules first before you break them. Yes. Um, so that's kind of a tip of the hat to that is tradition, um, structure, all these things are important, 
and you don't disregard it and dismiss it, but like you said, it's not why you're on the planet, but you have a healthy respect for it, and then you build off of it and launch new ideas off of what's already been done, or the right way. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Cool. Let me let me read another. Um, uh, I think a story here. Yeah. Let's go to. Um, okay. So this is from Claudia, and Claudia's. Uh, the question was like a significant moment where Sarah's being Sarah, and so. Um, she, of course, she said choosing just one moment is tough, but I respect her a lot because she actually did the assignment I gave her. <laughs> so she said, I once had a family emergency during the school day, and she took my entire class and kept them busy, on task, cared for, cared for and happy until someone was able to come and take over. Do you remember that? I think it's when we were teaching um, TK together. So okay. when I came, when I got hired, um, by Fullerton. I, I had subbed at Hermosa, I had subbed at Beechwood, and then I, I came to Sunset Lane and I got hired in a TK class and um, she was on my interview panel. Oh, really? Mm -hmm, with the principal at the time. And um, we taught right next door to each other, so we were teammates. And um, I learned, I have learned so much from her. Mm. And of course I would take her entire class. <laughs> I mean, I'd Yes. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. What's interesting to me is like, you're like, yeah, I think it must be this time. Like it wasn't like, oh yeah, I know exactly. So that tells me something also about the type of person. Cause somebody could say, yeah, I remember that because I stepped in and, you know, you know, saved the day or, or whatever. But to you, it's just like, yeah, Part I think I, it sounds team. like something I did. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, um, I want to say a few more things about teaching TK with Claudia, if it's okay. Yeah, please. So I, um, I had taught preschool bef in that year um, that I, between high school and college. Okay. I took a year off. That's yeah. when I went to India. I also okay. taught preschool. But I had not been in any preschool environment since okay. then. Okay. And I was like, TK, oh my gosh, what is this? Like I, I was researching quick and it was based off the Reggio Emilia yeah. uh, philosophy. Okay. So I did not know what that was and I had to get in it and figure it out. So he has a quote that says nothing without joy. Mm. And I, it stuck with me from reading about the philosophy. And um, Claudia has been, we, we, write, we write it down and share post-it notes all the time, like encouraging things. Mm -hmm. And it, that's one of our mm. um, things that we'll trade is the word joy. And it, it has to come first. Mm. It has to come both, like I, I think I'm on the planet. I think I'm a teacher because not to make students mm. because we don't need people who can add and subtract. Not really. Mm -hmm. I'm on the planet or I'm a teacher to make people like a whole person mm. not a student but like all the parts of who they are and you can't you can't um, move through life without understanding like where your joy comes from and mm. it has to be present first before you're going to build relationships um, help your community mm -hmm. uh, do a job with any grace or yeah. dignity like it like there's like we are social human beings like they the connection between people is primarily it, uh, like the essence of everything we're doing. Mm -hmm. So if if you're 
experience as joyless and not that we're mm. always happy because I am not always happy. I'm right. like sing sad songs all day long. Like I <laughs> I definitely, you know, em embrace the the not joyful times too, but yeah. there is there is joy in the hard or in the difficult or in the yeah. pain painful things. Yeah. Because they they are all it's all part of life, right? Yeah. Like that yeah. yin yang. Yeah. Good and bad. Like yeah. it's all there together. You, it has to be together or it's not gonna be real. Yeah. And so let, let me ask this. And there's you said the word embrace, so I'm gonna come back to that. But the the you said joy has to come first. And so that's like the, that's as the quote. Nothing without joy. Like yeah. you can't go anywhere. No, nothing yeah. before joy. It has to be present first before you move forward. So in the classroom, how do you like actualize that or practice that? Um, what does that look like or how do you, what's a practical thing you might do that somebody so, else would not have thought of? Right. I don't know. I'm not an expert at it. Okay. I am practicing how. Okay. I don't see myself as like a master or uh, yeah, so even that you, good at it. How do you practice? But I, I practice, okay, so um, so I, it, students have to want to come to school. If they don't want to come to school, then they're coming like half-heartedly, they're disengaged, they're yeah. poo-pooing I forgot, what, what grade do you teach right now? Fourth. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Fourth grade. And, and a lot of this, um, a lot of this thinking has come from my own son. Mm. So my, mm -hmm. well, and daughter. So my, when we moved to Fullerton, my daughter was in the nurse's office every single day mm. with a stomach ache. Oh. And it was just anxiety. Yeah. But she could not learn until somebody addressed, yeah. or we all addressed what was going on with her emotionally. Yeah. And Christine Villalobos was her second grade teacher. And she's the one who helped me get Grace back to her joy mm. so she could learn. Wow. And then my son had had gone through elementary school like loving, loving, loving school, mm -hmm. I mean, hanging on teachers' words. He was he was in it all the way, very yeah. wholehearted student. Yeah. And then he got to junior high, and that changed quickly mm. for him. I think it's maybe common yeah. uh, to, for kids to go through that yeah. at that age. But it, it was painful to me because I felt like, you know, yeah. where is my son's joy? Like, if he doesn't even want to be in school, he is not learning. Yeah. So it's, it is my number one objective is that my kids want to come in my classroom. Hmm. And so. So I, give me a practical. I, like, oh, I stand at the door. I okay. say good morning to okay. them. I do greet my students every day. Um, I care about what they want to do. So hmm. I, I am list like part of the reason why I don't do anything twice or it's I, I'm constantly and willing to try new things is because that that interest level of the students matters. So yeah. we can we can get the standards a billion ways, but yeah. the path has to be one that they've chosen, mm. that they're, you know, engaged in, yeah. um, excited about, yeah. feeling. And it has to be adding to their sense of self. Like it has to be, in, you know, letting them believe that they are gonna make a difference in the world and that there's a reason why they're, they're learning this. Yeah. How how does that sound mm -hmm. or look like when you're interacting with your class or maybe just a group of students or maybe just one student? What is something you find yourself saying to get to that point where the student has to like want to learn? 
because uh, a lot of times people think about, I, I have to do X, Y, and Z, which okay. are not I, about I the I actually hadn't thought of this before. Well, okay, I do think that kids need to feel understood. Mm -hmm. um, and I do do, all, I do a lot of like reflecting. I, I learned once that if you want to help an autistic child or a tantruming two-year-old, that one of the ways you can do that is to reflect what they're saying. So, mm. so they're yelling, you know, um, for chicken, and you are repeating chicken, 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 mm. so that that they feel heard first. Mm -hmm. So I I do make an attempt to make sure my kids are heard first. Like I can see that you you know mm. you're not smiling this morning. Like I want to hear you. Mm -hmm. um, what's going on? Or or when you, you know they come off the playground upset at each other because somebody like knocked the ball out or they called them out or whatever their myriad of yeah. complaints are when they come off of mm -hmm. the playground. Um, <clears throat> I, I take time, even though it's challenging, to listen or to at least say, I want to hear you. Could you write it in a note? Mm. Or I, um, <clears throat> I'm going to come back to you. Like, let's get started. Mm -hmm. But they do, they do know that I'm going to listen first to yeah. what they have to say. And um, I think that that when they're heard, what were you asking me? So how do you how do you make the student? I think we were talking about oh, the get engaged. Yeah, feel they happy. they have to want to learn. Yes. And so what's something you do? So I so I guess I I, I think that all students intrinsically want to learn. Mm -hmm. And so if they're not interested, it there's something like off in how they are feeling in the space or about themselves mm. or um, that there's something f from home or from mm -hmm. whatever's on their mind. Yeah. So we, so you just have to address that. So first. it's almost like, and I'll just throw out a metaphor, like um, a musical instrument, like a guitar, like a guitar properly, you know, situated will play a chord. But if it's out of tune, like that's kind of like the emotional distress or yes. distraction. You can put your fingers in the right place and play the right strings, but and it won't produce that chord because it's not tuned to kind of like its intrinsic state. Yeah. And so you're saying like people, or at least young people, intrinsically will want to learn, and if they aren't engaging, then you're like we have to. There's some like emotional fine tuning that we can sort of explore to put them back in that optimal state. That's yes. really interesting. Yeah. So like yeah, it's interesting. So one one trick or one technique is just asking them like how how are you feeling or what's happening. And it's interesting you talked about like at least three different time management strategies. Can you write it to me in a note? Can we talk about it later? Because my head just jumped right to like we can't oh, afford to sit. All yeah, I, there's <laughs> multiple things that happen on the playground. Probably seven students want to talk to you. There's lessons starting in thirty seconds. You yeah. Know. Yes. <laughs> I I I do also find that the it it they students are able after you've listened to them after they feel like it's okay to have a feeling mm -hmm. to express it they they get better my I find my students over the course of a year get better at handling things themselves or mm. letting things go. Mm. That's interesting. Oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Say more about that. Why? what happens over time. So, I, so I'm going to add one more thing. So feeling heard, feeling heard uh, has a, there's some sort of 
honoring of who the person is and all mm -hmm. of the parts of them. So I, I um, you know, we have that difficult student. We all, you know, have the one that's yeah. like gonna make us pull our hair out that year. Those, those difficult students, um, it's, it's very easy in a classroom to get to be like, well, there goes so-and-so again, like I'm sure, you know, and I, I feel very strongly about changing that narrative. Mm. So I, I will voice um, for that student what they're experiencing, like sort of the why, why they've gotten to the point where they come in in fourth grade and are mm -hmm. like poking mm -hmm. their neighbor incessantly. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I don't necessarily know how I figure it out, but I, I, do, I do get to know them enough that I can sort of create a voice where it's okay to be who they are. Mm. And so it really changes how the person is. Mm. There, there's not so much shame yeah. in their misbehavior. Yeah. Because there, it's it's okay. Like I, we can acknowledge that 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 happened, and that maybe yeah. you didn't want it to happen. And we don't have to like. There doesn't have to be so much shame in our yeah. actions. Because we, I've done some pretty dumb things in my life. Yeah, I think. I mean, it reminds me of, and we have referenced students getting disengaged with school, but it reminds me of the stories of, and you've actually told a couple, but um, like your your son is at a certain point they felt like the teacher doesn't like me. Yes, exactly. And it's it's not, it's probably not I, a, a Whether message. they did or didn't, it's right. his perception. Yeah, and it's probably not the teacher doesn't like my personality. It's probably a message of disapproval, right? I'm, I don't like what you're doing, and so there's that shame, and now I, I feel like you are rejecting me. Right, yeah. so we, we can, we can, teach kids how to behave <clears throat> appropriately in a classroom without making them feel bad about who they are. Yeah. And and that is not easy. I mean, I don't necessarily <laughs> know how to how to um, help teachers do that, but yeah. it's really important. Yeah. It's really important because yeah. we we have we live in a world where it is really easy to hurt one another. Yeah. And uh, and you know, hurt people, hurt people. Like Yeah. They're those kids are hurting. Yeah. That's why they're acting out. Yeah. And so it's real. It's real. I mean, and at, let's say, fourth grade, you don't necessarily have the tools to go, my pain is real and I'm entitled to X, Y, and Z. I mean, you're just like, ah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This has been really, really good and really interesting. We're getting close to the, the end of our, our time. So um, there's one person we haven't heard from in terms of the, the um preparation I did so that Nancy and I said I was going to come back to this word embrace. Mm -hmm. So that was actually the word she chose for you. So embrace. And then she explained it. So there's there's quite a bit here. There's a little paragraph. So I kind of want to read that okay. and then um, have you reflect on that. Or, or you can stop me at any point. Okay. Um, so she says the one that uh, sticks out is the one word is embrace. So she says Sarah is a yes. Not to be confused with a pushover. Sarah's yes is open-minded, compassionate, and conscious. Uh, you want to experience your own life as well as the lives of others on a deeper level. The yes is to embracing life, helping people, giving chances, thinking outside the box, and making a difference. I've watched her step up with her heart more times than I can count with her own kids, children at school, friends, family, community, the disadvantaged, 
and her own personal growth. Actually, I'm going to stop right there. What is that line? I watched her step up with her heart. What is that? How do you react to that? So, uh, aside from making me want to cry, <laughs> I think... Which is okay on yeah, the podcast. It's okay. Or we can just tell people, she's crying. <laughs> she's crying. You can't see it, but... Um, <laughs> so, I, I, I am um, committed to myself to be my real person. Mm. So, I, I think I spent a lot of time in my childhood sort of hiding mm. and um, I just don't want to live that way. Mm. So uh, we are going to get the real me and what <laughs> I really think. Um, and that was validated. Someone else um, said authentic, like you're, every day you're authentic. So I think that was Tracy. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, I have had people say that to me before. Um, I, I guess I just, am, I don't, I can't watch someone drown in their own emotions you know we mm. so I'm gonna come right next to you and feel all the feelings you're feeling mm. and um, hold them with you so that you can like yeah. I, I just you know I so like a real deep empathy like sometimes empathy means sort of this like I see them I see that but to come alongside somebody well, and say I, I'm I gonna think Brene Brown has a video of of empath the difference mm -hmm. between empathy and sympathy. Have you seen it? I think I have. So uh, sympathy is like looking at someone in the bottom of the pit yeah. and, from the top and saying, oh, you know, I'm really sorry that you're down there. Yeah. And empathy is when you get down in the pit with them. Mm. And I, I'm going to get down in the pit with mm. you. Wow. Yeah, which is like that's a very... It's a hard position that's to why, hold. That's why Tracy says courageous because mm. it's actually scary down there. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, because we all have our own stuff going on, mm -hmm. which is plenty. Mm -hmm. And then to get down in the pit with somebody else's taxing, tiring, daunting, you know, if you did that for everybody, and you're a teacher, so you're around multi yes. <laughs> many people, Yes. then that seems overwhelming. So, well, so then self-care yeah. gets really important. Okay. So that's maybe a good note to, to kind of wrap up on is how do you then, as that kind of empathic person who's going to give and give and give, what does self-care look like? Uh, I take long baths. I do <laughs> yoga. I meditate. I pray. I uh, eat. I eat. <laughs> Food is always Food good. Food is always good. Um, and I let people show up for me, too. Mm. That's a great That's a great quality. Because there are people, I think, who get kind of hardened to, I'm going to be there for you and you and you and you and you. And then they become almost like a soldier of saving people. Yeah. And that's not, you can't be refreshed and sustain your work if you're never receiving. Right. Yeah. That's Those really three good. people that, the names I gave you are, they mm. show up for me. Oh. That's such a, oh, I want to cry. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, such, that's beautiful. And there's, there's I, I just want to say, like, yeah. it's a hard, I feel, I feel that it's, I mean, you're very vulnerable, and like you said, you're not perfect, and you don't have it figured out, but um, it's almost like you're, you're saying, this is a balance that I strive for, and we don't always have, like, perfect balance, like, sometimes I trip and stumble, um, and that's a risky position to say I'm going to always 
strive for balance rather than I'm going to sit down, I'm going to sit this one out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing a tightrope. I don't know if that's an appropriate metaphor, but that's like, you know, it's scary. It's high up. There's falling. There's, you know, um, risk involved. Um, I, I did say that I was going to let you suggest, like, ways to improve the podcast. Um, this has been fabulous, by the way. Um, and I don't know if it's your cultural anthropology major. <laughs> like, I felt like, oh, this is a different tone. Like, it's a very humanistic and philosophical. Uh, it's very enjoyable. But um, as a listener of the podcast, things like, what's something you, you think we could do to change it up or in year two or soon we'll be in year two? And I don't know. Any thoughts about what you like or don't like? Um, you can name my name, but don't name anybody <laughs> else. <laughs> I um, So I would be interested as a listener into hearing other qualities, like besides risk-taking, mm. innovation, like what are the other, what are some of the other qualities that make a good teacher? Um, and then I would love to hear something about, so um, my school's book club read A Mindset for Learning, okay. and there are five traits on the cover. Let's see if I can remember them. I think it's persistence, resiliency, um, risk-taking. I'm going to butcher this. There's five of them. And I, I think the idea is that these are the traits that we want to teach our kids so that they are absorbing information. Okay, because mm. in being an... I, okay, so what I'm going to suggest is that what makes good teachers is that they're willing to learn, which is, I think, part oh. of what makes you an innovator is you're willing to learn something new. Yeah. Willing to take a risk. You have to be able to, like, we, don't we teach that growth yeah. mindset? Like, yeah. you have to be able to take a risk to learn something new yeah. and fail at it. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, above the, like, innovation risk-taking question is the what makes a person a learner. Mm. And then, because I think teaching is actually the willingness to learn, yeah. to learn about the people around you, yeah. to learn like new things all the time. Yeah. So that those qualities yeah. is what this one author would suggest are the qualities of a learner. Yeah. And so looking at, at those maybe. Yeah, I love that. I think I, I do see that that in a lot of the, the people we've had on the podcast, there is a, sometimes it's, manufactured like a teacher learns how to go oh show me that like that curiosity and wonder mm -hmm. um, but I think in the most sustainable examples it's it's just kind of part of your mindset and how you see the world and finding um, curiosity and wonder and magic in somebody else's learning um, so that's really interesting like what makes how are teachers learners or yeah and it's almost like that oxymoron like past like models have taught us like the sage on the stage right. like you're supposed to know it all you're a prof like a um, expert in mm -hmm. your field um, so that that's interesting like the learner I just looked up the book at learner a mindset for learning mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting I mean one of the words in the subtitle is joy or joyful yes yeah do they have all the yes those five um, <laughs> I don't see, see the summary if you can oh right here oh yeah optimism persistence Flexibility, resilience, and empathy. That's interesting. And I, I, I can see all of those things in my life. I, yeah. I, people tell me I'm optimistic. It's funny because I think I'm actually a pessimist, <laughs> which I don't understand why people think I'm an optimist, but I hear that. <laughs> I hear yeah. That. 
That's great. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for the feedback. Thank you for spending time with us. And uh, it's been great. Yeah, it's nice to be here. Thank you for asking me. This has been the Teacher Interview Podcast. Thank you for joining us.